2: I'll shake off these heavy chains. I'll wipe away every stain. I'm not what I used to be because I don't have to be the old man inside of me. His day is long dead and gone. I've got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same and that hope will carry me home. I
1: am
2: So when a person has begun a relationship with Christ, the Bible teaches that the very first thing you should do as a sign of obedience is to be baptized. Why? Because when you are, it's like preaching a sermon. You go up under that water. And when you go up under the water, you've been saying, you're saying I've been buried with Christ in my baptism. You come out of the water. When you come out of the water, you're saying like Christ was raised from the dead, I've been raised. To new life. It's a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us inwardly expressed in an outward manner. And by the way, some of you come from a, a different faith expression uh, of your Christian, Christianity. Th- that's why we don't baptize by sprinkling. Well, a couple reasons. Number one, that's not in the Bible, you don't see it anywhere. But secondly, you can't paint this picture. You can't show burial and resurrection with sprinkling. So, so that's why part of our, our teaching here is that when you begin that relationship with Christ, that first step of obedience for you is to be scripturally baptized. Hey, that's also why we don't baptize infants. We, we'll have a sweet time coming up where, where we um, dedicate parents and their children, newborn babies. Um, but we don't baptize them. Why? Why? Because that's not what baptism is about. Baptism is for someone who's got a relationship with Christ and they're symbolically expressing that in an outward manner. So I know what some of you are thinking. I've not done that. I don't have it right. And so I want to encourage you to do something. On your seat, you had one of these connect cards. On the back of that connect card is a place where you can say, I have decided to be baptized. And if if you feel like you need to be scripturally baptized, I just want you to check that off. And we're going to tell you how to get this back in our hands. But, But that's probably something you should do just to show I'm being obedient to the commands of Scripture. So Paul's saying this picture of baptism it expresses that we're no longer under the control of sin in our life. In fact, he uses another word. He, he said, he kind of says you're connected with Christ. In the Greek, it's a word that we would translate grafted. Now, I have a brown thumb. I mean, you put a plant or a vegetable plant in front of me, I mean, I'm going to kill it. Um, we don't have any in our house because my, my wife's thumb is actually a little browner. Um, <laughs> But but here's the reality. My understanding is you can take what is even a dying plant. And you can graft part of that dying plant into a thriving plant. And in a way, way beyond my education and comprehension, the two become one. So don't miss what Paul is saying. He's saying, when you look to Christ, you're grafted into him. Not only do you identify with him in death, you identify with him in life. Your identity becomes Christ. So here's what some of you are thinking. I, I look at myself. I hate myself. I'm ashamed. I, I feel guilty. I, I'm a sinner. And yet, I know that I've followed Christ. I know that, that I'm saved. I know that I'm going to heaven. What is this? I, I, want to hear, I want you to hear if that's true. If you're a follower of Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of his son that you're clothed in. You're no longer slaves to sin. But some of you are struggling with that. You're acting like you're a slave. On September 22nd, 1862, President Lincoln signed what we now call the Emancipation Proclamation. It may surprise you that it took months for many slaves to even hear about it. And then some of you don't realize it took another three years For the 13th Amendment to be passed, which actually abolished slavery. So, all who had been enslaved were now officially free. That was the legal transaction. But an interesting thing occurred, particularly among older slaves. Many couldn't do it, it was too overwhelming. And in what is really shocking to imagine, many chose to stay in in a system that was actually slavery. They kept the same masters. They didn't experience freedom. Though they were positionally free, they maintained the posture of slavery. And that's exactly where many Christ followers are today. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you're positionally free. Sin doesn't have power over you, but you're maintaining the posture of one who's not been freed. Look at verses 8 through 10 again. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer. Say no longer. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Say once for all. What Jesus did on the cross, he did one time. But that one time was enough for you for the rest of your life. When you come to Christ and you trust him in grace, you look to him in faith, the salvation that he gives to you is enough. It's enough for everything you need. Jesus really is enough. He gives you a new identity. He changes you. The old passes away. All becomes new. wonder if you've embraced your new identity. I heard about this guy. He went to see a nutritionist. He said, I think I'm having a, a dietary issue. And his nutritionist said, okay, what, what's the issue? He said, well... I really like dog food. <laughs> Nutritionist looked at me and said, whoa, 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 what do you mean you really like dog food? He said, I can't explain it. But when I go to the grocery store, he said, um, he said I feel like I'm magnetically pulled to the dog food aisle. And, and he said, as I look at the dog food, he said, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but saliva just begins to come out of my mouth. I just start drooling. He says, and I can't help myself and it gets me in trouble. But the next thing I knew, I'm tearing open a package of, of dog food and I'm just scooping it in. It makes me so happy. I love it. In fact, after I get full, I'll just lay down right down in the aisle with all my arms and my legs up in the air, and I'm just waiting for somebody to come and rub my belly. <laughs> the nutritionist said, How how long have you had this problem? He said, Ever since I was a puppy. <laughs> Sounded a little f- funnier when I heard Tony Evans tell that story. <laughs> but Pastor Tony, he goes on to say, Some things require more than just behavior modification, they require a new identity. And so here 's the reality. some of you are having the struggle because you're just trying to modify your behaviors you're trying to be a good moral person, but as we're building the facts up it's seeming more and more like maybe you've never had that new identity right we're going to address that so so there's been a death and and that change in monarchy. It directly affects you. And then that change in monarchy results in a new identity for you. But here's the great news. You have influence over who or what reigns in your life. Isn't that great? Say, I have influence. You are. You now. you just took that responsibility. So think about what that means. You have influence. But that influence is not self-help. It's just not, it's, it's not self. We love self-help. We all want, we're, we're, we're screamed to from the from the view and from anything we watch. on. You need to just pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can change things. Come on, help yourselves. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. My wife's in Texas uh, helping take care of her dad. His name's Ron, the sweetest man I've ever known. He had a fall and it resulted in a brain bleed. Please pray for Ron. But um, man, our, our other boys have left the nest and so uh that's just me and little Anaya. She's a fireball. We had to stay busy. So Friday I picked her up from school and we had a long daddy-daughter date and one of our stops was at Barnes and Noble's and by the way Barnes and Noble's doesn't carry braille books isn't that interesting? But she loves to be read to as well as she loves to read by braille and and so um I picked up a book that, that she loves and And then, I I love books, so we just walked around Barnes & Noble, and I knew this was coming, so I I went to the self-help section, and it is huge. There are books upon books upon books about self-help. Why? Because all of us know we need help. We know we're in trouble. We know we blow it. We're not good fathers. We're not good husbands. We're not good moms. We're not good wives. We're not good workers, employees, or students. We we need help. And yet, I just got to tell you something. I don't care how many self-help books you buy. They're not going to help you. You know why? Because what you're dealing with is a spiritual problem. Self is the problem. Let me say that so that you can understand it all the way in the back. You are the problem. So you can't help you get out of the problem. Said a little more tender way, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And so we need someone outside of ourselves. And that's what Jesus does. That's why he died on the cross to take the penalty for your sin. That's why he died on the cross to lessen the power of sin in your life. That's why he died on the cross to make available for you a day where there will be no more presence of sin. But you've got to look to Jesus. He's capable of helping you. How do you do that? Well, that's the end of this passage we're reading today. Look at verse 11. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin. That word count, we, we, we saw it earlier in Romans. It's an accounting word. And remember, we learned that we have a sin debt, and the only way we're going to be right with God is if somebody paid our debt. So Jesus paid the debt on the cross. The blood of Jesus paid a debt that we owed, even though he didn't owe the debt. So this is that same accounting word. Some of your translations say reckon. We we used to say that in South Carolina. Reckon it's going to rain today? I mean, He's saying, think about this. Apply this to yourself. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Or some of your translations say passions. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God. Do not offer any part of yourself. Do not offer any part of yourself, but instead offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part. Offer every part offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law you're under grace you know what he's saying you keep fighting battles that have already been won You're struggling with stuff that under the grace of God, you should not have to be struggling with. What Jesus died for was to give you victory, so he wants you to start walking in victory. Let me give you three steps toward walking in victory before I pray. Number one, if you're a follower of Christ and yet you're having this struggle, you may need to change the way you see yourself. You're seeing yourself as a sum total of all your failures, of all your sin. And you're never going to walk in victory if that remains your identity. So that's why he begins by saying, count what he's done, apply that to your life. So as I said a moment ago, when God looks at you, Christ follower, he sees you clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's how he sees you. How do you see you? Change the way you see yourself. Secondly, constantly watch out for the idols in your life. So Paul uses this phrase, he says these evil desires are these passions. And it literally means controlling passions. And that's what an idol is, right? You you know the definition of idol. Idol is anything, even a good thing, that becomes the ultimate thing. So what are the things that have become the ultimate thing in your life? Can I help you? For some of you, alcohol has become an idol. And you've justified that because of the liberty that you have in Christ. But it's controlling you. It's an idol. For some of you, your lustful thoughts or the the things you look at with your eyes or the things you do with your body, uh, it's become idolatry um for for some of you this is hard this time of year oh but for some of you um sports has become an idol and for some of you it's teamed up with another idol because your children have become your idol or your grandchildren have become your idol and you're running after those two idols and meanwhile your children are not growing in the things of god um Your job can become your idol. Material possessions can become your idol. You get the picture? Things that control you, that that determine what you should do. David Paulison said core idols are at the center of every heart. And, and there are four core idols. He said power or, or the desire to be in charge or control or, or the, the desire to, to make sure everything is under control or approval or comfort. Those are four things that kind of guide that idolatry in our life. Or, or I like those three life drifts that we've talked about, those three tempting areas like our appetite. That's our comfort. So I've always got to make myself I've got to be pleased. I've got to be happy. I've got to be comfortable. Uh, appetite or or the approval of others. If you're happy, I'm happy. That becomes an idol. Or, or my ambition, what I can accomplish, becomes an idol. And it controls us. And when these passions control us, even these things that don't have to be bad become bad in our life. So let's play it out. So anger can begin to control you. Anger is not bad. You may have righteous anger, but if you become an angry person, you're being controlled. That's an idol in your life. Take that a little differently. Do you know sadness can be the same thing? Nothing wrong with being sad. Man, you look at some of the things in this world, if you're not sad, you're insensitive. But if you're sad all the time, if that's the controlling thing in your life, Even fear and worry. They begin to be who we are. Even though God said. Don't be afraid. So check those idols. Last thing. Consistently yield to Christ. (laughs) So what did he say? Alright guys. We want to break this rule of sin. We just got to give it all back to Jesus. So here's how easy it gets. First thing you do. Every morning before your feet hit the floor. Jesus, this day is yours. Jesus, I want to honor you in my thoughts today. I want to honor you in my my words that I say. I I don't want any of my actions to dishonor you. Are you going to be tempted as you go through today? You better believe it. Because when you woke up and began to proclaim that, the enemy said, All right, let's see what you got, big boy, big girl. But then you've started your day with that mindset. Spend some time in the word of God so that you're just consistently yielding to him. And throughout the day say, Jesus, I know you haven't forgotten, but I just want to remind you, I'm yielding to you today. I'm going to pray through my day just like you prayed and taught us to pray. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my kingdom, God, but your kingdom, every part of me. So here's my question. Are you living that resurrection life? I mean, that's what this is all about. That's what the Bible says. It sounds kind of crazy. The same power that conquered the grave is available to you? Man, how in the world, in our modern expression of this faith, have we become content with a powerless expression of our love for Jesus? That resurrection life is available to you. You'll never get that by fighting the same old battles. You'll never get that by just making new goals or resolutions. You'll never get that just by turning over a new leaf. The only way you get that is by being redeemed, by being saved, by being justified. So has that happened in your life? See, I don't know. I don't know if it's really happened. Well, maybe just walk through this. See, there's a difference between willfully pursuing sin and occasionally succumbing to the power of sin in our life. See, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to blow it. You're going to mess up one day, maybe even in some big ways. But when you do, the Holy Spirit of God in you says, whoa, what are you thinking? Stop. Get back right. Turn around. That's called conviction. Conviction. And so you're not willfully pursuing it, but man, you recognize things have to change. But if you're willfully pursuing sin, man, maybe you never let Christ take control and you need to be redeemed. But when you are, the things you're ashamed of, the ways you've been abused, the addictions you've struggled with, the anger you've felt, none of these things get the last word Why? Because you've been redeemed. God changes you. And maybe you just need to be reminded of that today. God changes you. Just like he changed a man named Saul, who not only persecuted people like us, he killed them. And and then he became, maybe apart from Jesus, the greatest preacher ever to live. Just like he changed a man named Peter who was, was such a coward, he couldn't even stand up to a little girl, the Bible says. He denied Christ, and yet God restored him and gave him courage. And on the day of Pentecost, he stood up in front of thousands of people and preached the gospel, just like he changed John. John was an angry man. He was an abusive man, but we know him in Scripture as the Beloved. The lover of God. And just like ladies, he changed a bunch of the women in scripture who have shady past. God is in the business of changing people. That's what he does, that's who he is. If you're a Christ follower, you've been redeemed. It's time to start acting like it. Listen to how that song concludes I am redeemed. You set me free. So I'll shake off these heavy chains. I'll wipe away every stain. I'm not what I used to be. Because I don't have to be the old man inside of me. His day is long dead and gone. I've got a new name, a new life. I'm not the same. And that hope will carry me home. I am redeemed.